It is easier to serve God without a vision, without a focus or a direction or a point of where we're going. Easier to work for God without a call. Because then you are not bothered by what God really requires. The common sense is your guide. Oops. Veneered over with a Christian sentiment. Gosh, that's kind of exactly what I'm talking about, huh? Because now everything in the world just doesn't matter what we want, however you want it, doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter because you want it all. It doesn't matter how you get it. You just want what you want. It's lust-based, and so it's all about getting, 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 getting. When it becomes just Jesus, you'll be more prosperous and more successful, more leisurely hearted, if you never realize the call of God. There's nothing lust-based about it. We taught last uh, on Monday night, last night, that there's an addicted person here about I can't live. Well, scripturally, truthfully, reality is you don't. You're dying without Jesus in my life. So I'm not sure how you live in the first place. You're, you're, you're dead every day, and you're a corpse running around like a freaking zombie every day because you're not walking in the life of Christ, and they're not walking in the newness of the Spirit or the newness of life. You're not walking in the Spirit. So how in the world you expect that dead, dead old body you're carrying around ever do the righteous spiritual thing if you never become spiritual, right? And then when you become spiritual, you can wreck that real quick with a little uh, attitude adjustment of your own, right? All for the, all for the worse. That, that I'm picking on you. I'm just saying that's that stupid shit because nobody told you before, right? memory of what God wants will always come like a goad. It'll poke you and prod you and keep you on the track. Be more prosperous, more successful, and easier hearted if you never realize the call of God. But if once you receive a commission from Christ, goad is just a little like a, a cattle prod, right? I'd like to get you an electric cattle prod to fix that, right? You will no longer be able to work for him on the common sense basis. It won't work anymore. Gosh, that's kind of crazy. Then what are you going to do if you can't use your common sense or your, your thinking? Let me tell you a secret. You can never use it anyway. You just have somehow thought you could, which has never gotten you where you need to get to yet. If I have not been gripped by Christ, what do I really count dear? I will count some effort, some service that I do dear. Time given to God dear, like going to church or going to Bible studies. My life dear to myself. Paul says he counted his life dear only to order that he might fulfill the ministry he received. He refused to use his energy for anything other than Acts 20, 24 states Paul's almost sublime annoyance being asked to even consider himself. He was absolutely indifferent to any consideration. Practical work may be a competitor against abandonment to God, other than that of fulfilling the ministry he had received. Because practical work, those jobs where I gotta go do this and I gotta go do that, it will, it will definitely get you on a track contrary to God. Because you're not trusting God, you're trusting, well, this is my job, it's different. It's not different. My job can't, my job's more detailed and more, more uh, intense than anything you do, and it's all God. Practical work may be a competitor against abandonment to God because practical work is based on this argument. Remember how useful you are here? That attitude does not put Jesus Christ as a guide to where you should go or what you're doing over there. Think how much value you would be at a particular type of work. But our judgment as to where we are of most use, in our own opinion, we think we ought to do. Never consider whether you are of use. But ever consider you're not your own. It's been bought the price you're his. So... That message should stand clear to all of you. Romans chapter 4. For if Abraham were justified by works, verse 2. Chapter 4, verse 1. Verse 2, I'm sorry. He has world to glory. He could, he, could be, he could be excited about what he had done, but not before God. But not before God. Because if he had works, they're all his effort. So he could give himself a pat on the back. Trust me, he screwed up just as much or more than you did because he did. He actually made effort before God and, and was trying to be a righteous man of God and kept fucking up and fucking up and fucking up and fucking up. What says the scripture? Abraham believed God and that it was counted unto him for righteousness. 
He finally got it figured out. You're not even trying to make an effort before God. You keep fucking up. So if you actually were trying to fuck it up, I guess that'd be a different story, wouldn't it? It was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that works is reward not reckoned of grace. It's not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that works not, but believes on him, that justifies. But I want to tell you a little secret that you're going to find out later in the message. The ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Believing, how do you do? You have faith, what works is the work. You say you believe without action, believing and showing that you believe without walking out in a measure where it's obvious that you believe, it's dead. Because you're not living a life of belief in action. You're living a life in belief in words or thinking, but not in action. So you know all the faith in the world that God can do what God can do. You're right, you can. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Just not for you. You still think you have your own life to live, your own common sense and how to live it. And he goes, so their sin's not imputed to the one that believes. It's imputed to you because you're still, still not living the life. James. Even as David also described the blessedness of man unto whom God imputes righteousness. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are, are forgiven, whose sins are, are covered. That works. We get to realize that they're saying that blessed is that person whose sins are covered. But you don't get them covered by your actions. You get them covered by what his blood did, right? How do you, how do you become a recipient of the, the blood of Christ in your life. Keep sinning? Well, you gotta stop from sin so the blood of Christ can cover all of that. Well, if he covers all your sin, who are you gonna be? Now what kind of a uh, personality do you have? Now what kind of character do you have? If blood has covered your sins and they're covered and you can't sin them the same way you did the day before, who are you gonna be? And most of you go, geez, I don't know. Well, that would be sad. I can tell you who I'm gonna be. Exactly who I am today. In fact, I'm gonna remind myself that this is why I did it in the first place. He covered my sins so I can become who I am today. What are you doing? How are you doing this? You doing this on your own volition or somehow or another you're listening to God? Are you being the one that's disobedient or the one that's righteous? Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. You know, we, we always say, well, God, well, all things are working good for those who love God. Everybody wants to cheer and pitch that story. But they don't put the last part on, the first part doesn't make any difference. That doesn't make any difference because if you love God and you think that's how he's going to turn things to good, it isn't if you're not called according to his purpose, if you're not doing things his way. If you're doing things his way and you're called according to his purpose, loving God and his purpose, he anoints and turns everything good to you. My life is blessed beyond blessed beyond blessed. I let this happen in my world where I, I am called according to his purpose and what he wants me to do, not what I want to do. Because I don't just, I don't just allow the... The, the, the blood to come in, allow it to be my lifestyle and who I am today. He predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. So you've been predestinated to become the image of his son. For whom he did foreknow, he also pre did predestinate. So the death of those things you do, how is it you doing things contrary to him do things going to get you into the image of his son? What's going to cause you to be the image of his son? Why are you kicking against the pricks? Can you imagine Jesus being who you are today? You think he would live the life you're living now? You would never, he, in the life he would live would be completely different. And you can, in fact, live that life. I do. I'm talking a lot different than he talked, but that's not relevant. My life is in his image. That's everything I do, and people know it. He's predestined to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. He did, because I will cause you to triumph. Today, those he called, and whom he called, those he justified, whom he justified, he then glorifies. He brings you all the way out to the end to be glorified. In other words, resurrected into heaven and, 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 and getting a, a pass in the gate, glorified in Christ Jesus. Moreover, who, well, 
I want to say that and I want you to be excited about it, but I want you to be very, very, very afraid. Because what he's going to have to do to get you to triumph is going to kick your ass from where you're at right now. Can you imagine? He's going to cause you to be triumphant. So he's going to take this bullshit you do and turn it completely around where it doesn't exist anymore. You don't even have a fucking clue who you are anymore. You ready for that? Yeah? Yes. Well, just know, buckle up. It's going to happen to you. Or you won't go. It's that simple. He will cause you to be with all these words. What should we say then to those things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he then not yet freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that judges, or justifies, I'm sorry. He, who he is that condemned. Is it Christ that died, yes rather, that is risen again? Who is even the right hand of God and also makes intercession for us? So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword? Usually not, because those are usually the things that make you turn around and go to God. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. As it is written, for thy sake, I am killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. So you know in all these things, you are more than conquerors through him that loves you. So he loves you enough to make you more than a conqueror so that you will not leave him again. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, even things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me or us from the love of God, which, is, which was in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we get that life. Turn with me to Romans chapter 13. You may or may not like this verse. Right? Let every soul be subject unto their higher powers. For there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists that power resist the ordination or ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. So I'm telling you, as you're resisting, this is ordained of God. He's talking about preachers. You're resisting what I'm teaching. So if you resist, you receive unto yourselves what? Damnation. damnation. Is that your, your go-to card? I can't imagine that you can't wait to be damned. So you resist what I'm teaching you. That's the only option there is. For rulers are not a terror to good works. People that are ruling are only a terror to the evil works, which is, I only kick your ass with what you're doing wrong, right? Okay. Will you then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and you will have the praise of the saint. You do the right thing. I'm going to glorify and praise God for you and everything you're doing. Everything you ever wanted to be is acknowledged and, and be, 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 you know, be, be proud of. You have to be proud of you. Well, I can be if you're doing the right things, right? But I can't be if you're not. For he is the minister of God to you for good. But if you do that which is evil, be afraid. Very afraid. For he bears not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that do evil. Wherefore he must needs to be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. You need to subject yourself. Not because of the wrath that shall become, but that your conscience is clear. For this cause, pay you tribute also they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. In order to pay tribute. Give me what I, what's due to me. Respect and the honor that's due to me. And you can't help but win. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to his custom due. Fear or reverence. To whom reverence is due. And honor to whom honor is due. And you'll start to grasp the combination of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. It's not going to mean anything to you. 
but unto us which are saved, it's by the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. I will bring to nothing, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. And all its brains and all its smarts never knew God. It pleased God by the foolishness of the preaching to save them and believe. So I came here to preach to you so you might come to believe. For the Jews require signs, Greeks seek after wisdom. We preach Christ crucified unto you, unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is still wiser than men. And the weakness of God is still stronger than men. So you see your calling, brother, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The base things of the world, the things which are despised, has God chosen, yes. The things which are not to bring to nothing those things that are. He's chosen all the weak ones, all the lost ones that we've got to say, I'm going to set you up as a standard to defeat the enemy in all of its brilliance. Well, he'll pale in comparison to what we know we're able to do because we were foolish, we were base, we were weak, we, we were those people. But through those things, he's going to use our testimonies to destroy the strength of the enemy. That no flesh should glory in his presence. We wouldn't walk around patting ourselves on the back. But of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who of God has made into us wisdom, he's made into us righteousness, made into us sanctification, and made into us redemption. We are having walking here today with wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption by what Christ has become in us. How about us? Nothing we did. Nothing we have done, all what he did. That according to his written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord and the Lord alone. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Say, I marvel that you're so soon removed from that, from him that called you into the grace of Christ into some other gospel, some other doctrine, some other way of belief, which is not, a, not another, but there be some that trouble you, and they would pervert the concept of the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have preached, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So if you're doing, you're all your name in the name of Christ, living your life and thinking that your life is an example of a Christian, he said, that makes you contrary to the gospel this preacher's taught. He says, I pray that you're accursed. Same damnation. Yeah. Why, why does he say like an angel from heaven preach any? Like, why is he just saying like an example? Like, like even if it's the fucking extreme, like don't even yeah, don't listen. stick to what the grace well, where of Satan come from? He says, they, Satan, he says, Scripture says this. I don't have to say this. You can look it up. Scripture says the angels have, from Satan have come and they have presented themselves as angels of light. So that we would believe that, oh, it's, 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 it's a light, it's an angel of light, it must be of God. And he goes, they have presented themselves as an angel of light to deceive and to destroy and to kill. So what we have to do is make sure that no one teaches anything other than what I'm teaching you, what you know by reason of reading this and by the Spirit of God, that it's the truth. So we don't understand that truth. So instead of preaching the gospel to you that, that what you have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as we have said before, so that I say to you now again, if any man preach any other gospel to you than that which we have received, let him be accursed. He goes, I want him to be damned. 
Anybody who's going to walk around here and start talking about another way of getting there than the one I've taught you, I want them to be damned. Why? They have no business trying to interfere or walk with you. You have no business living your own version of Jesus. Who's going to be, who's going to be uh, ministered to by you if you're living something contrary to what Christ has taught? No, it's going to, all, you got to, all you can do is minister death. They're looking for life, right? No matter what you're saying about how you do it, they're going to preach at you, not preach to you. And I'm going to preach to you. Why? Because I know the truth. And I know you know the truth. And I don't know why you don't want to live the truth, but I'm going to preach to you that you need to live the truth. Or I pray that you be accursed. I pray that you come there and you don't, don't take heed to what I've said, that you're damned. Because I, we can't have this in the kingdom. We can't have this in this kingdom that he's bringing here right now. We can't have this disruption where people are all doing all sorts. He's trying to bring the power and authority and bring, bring it here to, to change the face of the earth. She's been, t been ministering to me and, and prophesying over me. God's given me a, a ministry. And he goes, she goes, there's a mountain, for example, it's got up there, it's got a pulpit at the top, and everybody's coming to hear you preach because of what you teach. They need to hear the truth because they've never heard it. They're desperate, desperate for somebody to teach them the truth because they've come to the end of their world. Well, is that what I'm saying about you? You'll come to the end of your world, then you'll call upon the name of the Lord. Well, I would just soon decide to come to the end of my world instead of remember that caused me to come to the end of my world. So even while I was willing, he caused me to come to even deeper depths at the end of my world. Well, I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at him at all. So we've said before now, I say to you, if any man preach the gospel, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? If I yet pleased men, should I not, should, should I not be the servant of Christ? Should I all of a sudden that would you know, keep me from being a servant because I'm pleasing men and pleasing God? And all of a sudden I shouldn't have to be a servant? No. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, this liberty with Christ has made you free. Not you are free. Christ has made you free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage and crap that you can pick it up over and over and over again. The old life Paul saying to you that if you be circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. You're going to keep walking out here doing it your way, it ain't going to profit you nothing. No matter how many times you come to church, how many Bible studies you got, go, it will do nothing for you if you're still doing your own thing, your own, your own efforts. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, he is debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are justified by the law. You have fallen from the divine influence of the grace of God. For though through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, we wait for that Spirit, through the Spirit, for that righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, either circumcision will be thing or uncircumcision but faith which works by love. So you did run well. Who then did hinder you that you would not obey the truth? This persuasion didn't come from the one that called you. And a little leaven is going to leaven the whole lot. So there's no such thing as a little bit of sin. I have a confidence in you, though, through the Lord, that you will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever that will be. So God says, I got this. Is going to work it out for you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you that you would walk worthy of the location wherein you have been called, that you be who you've been called to be, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling. One hope. Why is there one hope of the calling? 
It's all for a common cause, all for each body part to do their part in Christ Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the college to what? Be the body part he's called us to be. So when that body part and the, gets put together with the rest of the body parts, the body can, can walk around completely com, completely fulfilled, which is talked about in, in uh, the, the, the second half of chapter four here, right? Then it comes down to the, to, it comes down where all the, the, the body parts have been put together. So we get that, and the, and the whole whom the whole body fitly joined together, com, compacted by that which every, by the effectual working of the measure of every part, which makes the increase of the body to the edifying of itself in love. So he says, I'm asking that you would take this one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is above all, through all, and more importantly, in you all. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Paul begins to teach us again, what things were gained to me, I count as a loss for Christ. Yes, doubtless I count all things, but for the loss of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. See, if you don't understand that the knowledge of Christ Jesus is excellence, somehow or another you think you want her version of your life and want to season it with Jesus, if you don't understand knowing him is the most excellent thing you'd ever do, you are already on the wrong track. The most important, most excellent thing you'd ever do is the knowledge of him. So I want the excellency of the knowledge of him. I count everything as a loss. So the excellence of knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. I like that. I suffered the loss. I went through what I had to go through, and all of it was, all of it's now been decided by me to get rid of it. I got rid of these things, and I do count them as nothing but manure that I might win Christ. So, he suffered the loss, but he came to revelation. I'm glad. And found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of, which is of God by that faith. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable into his death, conformable to the image of his son and that death. By any means, I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I'd already attained, neither already perfect, but I follow after. If that I might apprehend, for which I'm also apprehended of Christ Jesus. So I follow after. Does it have to be done overnight? No. no, it has to be done by following after, learning and learning and learning and learning, which all of you have a whole lot of learning to do, yeah. right? Yeah. Unlearn what you think you know and start learning what you ought to know. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended this one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind. I don't care how many years it is, you forget it. And you reach forth into those things that are before you, the opportunities that lay before you so you can have an opportunistic life. Well, the opportunistic life then is that I press towards the mark of the, of the high calling of Christ Jesus on my life. So let us therefore as many as be perfect, mature, be thus minded, and any other be otherwise minded, God will even reveal that to us. So the opportunistic life is so that I can get to a point where my life is in Christ Jesus where it ought to be. What an opportunity, right? But I gotta take the opportunities brought to me to get to it. Nevertheless, when we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of covetousness, nor of guile or deceit. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which tries our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know, not as a cloak of covetousness, and God is our witness. Nor of men did we seek any glory, neither of you, nor of any others. Yet we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we are gentle among you, even as a nurse that churches her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you the, not just the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and our travail from laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. You are a witness of God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. And as you know, we are, have exhorted and covenanted and charged every one of you as a father does his children. 
that you would walk worthy of, the, of God, who has called you into this kingdom and to this glory. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you've heard of us, you received it not as a word of men, but as it is truth, the word of God, which effectually, effectually works also in you that believe. For you, brethren, became followers together in the churches of God, which in Judea are Christ Jesus. For you also have suffered like things over your own countrymen, even as they have the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and our own prophets and have persecuted us that please not God and are contrary to all men. So we have to grasp this relationship that's been made available to us. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. 4, verse 1. Furthermore, when we beg you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received how you ought to walk, to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments you have given to the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you would, should obtain, abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that's sexual desires, that go, no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because the Lord is an avenger of all such, as also he forewarned and testified. For God has not called us to an uncleanness, he's called us to holiness. But he therefore that despises, despises not man but God, who has also given to us his Holy Spirit, so we wouldn't have to do these things. But as touching brotherly love, you know, need not that I write it to you for yourselves, but are taught of God to love one another. And indeed you do it towards all the brethren which are in Macedonia. We beg you, brethren, that you increase even more and more, that you study to be quiet, to do your own business, to work with your own hands, as we have commanded you, that you may walk honestly towards them that are without, that you may have lack of what? Nothing. nothing. What a concept. I get right with God, I have lack of nothing. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. So we are bound to thank God always that your faith grows exceedingly. The charity of every one of you towards each other abounds. So that we ourselves glory in you, the churches of God, for your patience and the faith in all of the persecutions and tribulations that you endure. It's a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may become worthy of the kingdom of God for which things you suffer. Seeing it's a righteous thing with them, with God to recompense tribulation to them and trouble you. And you who are troubled, rest with us. If you're right with God, right? Rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a flaming fire. Oh boy. Taking vengeance on them that know not God. And then that obey not the gospel of Christ. Who, by the way, the vengeance, I want to let you know it includes, they will be punished with an everlasting destruction from the presence of God. They will not have the presence of the Lord in their life at all. And from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in the saints, to be admired in all of them that believe, because of our testimony amongst you was actually believed in that day. So wherever we also pray always for you that you, God would count you worthy of this calling. Filled. All the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith and power. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse, chapter 2, verse 13. So we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the sanctification of the spirit and the belief of the truth. So you're going to be sanctified through the spirit. You're going to believe the truth sooner or later. Maybe it'll be like I said when you're on your deathbed, but... It won't be from lack of me teaching you. Wherein he calls you by our gospel to obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by our example. Now the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given to us an everlasting consolation, a gift, and a good hope through grace. Let him comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and every good work. Our God is faithful, and that's what he would love to do. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12.
And I thank Christ our Lord who has enabled me. That he counted me faithful in putting me into the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor in interest. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. So the grace came through faith and love which was in Christ Jesus. So I got into, to experience the abundant grace of God. And this is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. Of whom I'm one of the chiefs, right? How about for this cause I obtained mercy? That in me first Christ Jesus might show forth all along suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe in him to everlasting everlasting. So he uses me as a pattern, as an example, for you to see what life looks like in the everlasting, as I help you and guide you and lead you. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, let it be honor and glory forever and ever. In his name let it be so. First Timothy chapter six. Verse six. If we brought nothing into this world, it's pretty certain we're not going to take anything out. And having food and clothing, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich, wanting to have something more, are going to fall into a temptation and a snare. And many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. All that fleshly desire, i got to have this, and lustful, I want to be this, I want to be that. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For the love of money, not necessarily money, but the love of, this, of stature is the root of all evil. While some have coveted after when they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many, many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. They hold on eternal life where you are called and have professed your good profession before many witnesses. So I'm going to give you charge in the sight of God who quickens all things, which makes things happen. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate, witnessed a good confession. That you would keep his commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only royal, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Who only has immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach it to. Whom no man has seen nor can see. No man, only the spiritual. To whom be honor and power, again everlasting, and let that be so. Second Timothy, chapter 1, verse 8. So be not there ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be you a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Partakers or partners of the afflictions, but according to the power of God, the things God puts you through, right? Yes. Not the crap you put yourself through. Yes. yes. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. Remember, with all things work to good according to those that love him, those that are called according to what? His purpose. So he says, he has saved us and called us according to the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and his divine influence, grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world even began. So we've had this our whole life. What have we done with it? Yeah, nothing. Okay? But it's time to tap into what you ought to be instead of what you've been allowing yourself to be. Now it's made manifest by the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So we get to see who Christ really is. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man says he has faith and has not works? Can faith save him? So we can say that we're Christians, but if there's an evidence, can, we be, can that save us? It says, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you don't bother to give them anything, to, to help them on be needful for the body. Does it profit? Can your words fix those things? No. no. You would have to do something after those words, right? Yes. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. Yeah, man that may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy, thy works and I will show you my faith 
by my works. You believe that there's one God, you do well. But the devils also believe and they tremble. At least they're afraid. But you will know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? And when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? See you not how faith wrought his works, and his works has made him perfect? The scripture was fulfilled, saying, Abraham believed God. He took him up there to sacrifice him because he believed him. And it was imputed him for righteousness, and it was called the friend of God. You see then how many, that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. Likewise also was Rahab, the harlot, justified by works, when she had received the messengers and heard what they had to say, and had sent them out another way to make sure she was going to help save them, to protect them, because they, had, they were men of a word, right? Whereas the body without the spirit is dead, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end, for the grace which is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Christ. So, grace will be brought to you Amen. when you finally get the revelation of Christ. So, is also faith without works is dead also. Which means you always go, uh, that's what it's supposed to be. Because <coughs> grace will be there to help you. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance, instead of going back and being stupid some more. But as he which has called you is holy, so be also holy in all manner of conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call upon the Father who without respect to person judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning or living here in fear or reverence. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but your selfish con conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily, truly was foreordained, before the foundation of the world, foreordained, but was manifested in his last time for you. So he was, he was promised and foreordained before the foundation of the world. Who by him, we do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and your hope might be in God and God alone. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so, you have been tasted that the Lord is good. And gracious. If you decided the Lord's, you know, probably a good idea, maybe we come back and you start out as a brand new baby. He says he's begotten you again so you can. To whom coming as into a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You also as living stones are built up in a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer a spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Christ. Gosh, that verse right there ought to be serving in every one of your Bibles. Wherefore also is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Elected precious. He that believes on it shall not be confounded. You believe on him, there is nothing going to come against you. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But to them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the cornerstone. And that stone is stumbling a rock of offense, which to them is a stumble at the word, being disobedient, where also they were appointed to stumble at the word, being disobedient. But you are not so. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, oh my God, that you would show forth the praises of him who has called you out of that darkness into the marvelous light. Come up out of this darkness, guys. Let's get in this marvelous light, which in times past was not a people, but now a people of God, which not, had not attained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Peter 